Hey, you know what you're supposed to do, don't you? I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. This is not my area. I'm telling you. Just okay, tell me. so what you what you got to do is you, you you need a beer and you need a glass. You have those? Okay. Okay, I have those. Okay, yeah, wait a minute. It's not alcohol beer. Yeah, that's important too. I don't want you to yeah. start uh, drinking the other stuff. It's a uh, July fourth, nineteen seventy. Since I've had anything with any alcohol in it, do you want me to Feel open it, it now? No, don't open it now. I think our best bet is, first thing, let's do this together. And we're going to try to do something right, number one, and two, together. Let's do it just when we start introduce the two takes. We'll pop the cans, and okay. that way, I think we're ready to go. So that I, I've, got I've got a glass. I've got a glass. You've got a glass. You've got a beer. You just pop and pour. That's all you got to do. I'm all set then. i got it right here beside me. Okay, I okay. think we're ready to make it happen. Hey, you just arrived. It's the bro show. Maybe you've never been here before. I'll get, John and I will give you an update. And it is the bro show. So we are what, John? We're brothers. We're actual brothers biologically. Right? I think. That's a good way to be. <laughs> My name's Jerry. And my name's and John. There you go. Hey, we're almost done with the show now. Uh, we yeah, talk we, about, we, we do this every week, don't we? Yep, once a week. Okay, Saturday morning. That is, and we talk about four things. First thing we talk about is an animal, and I got to backtrack a little bit here. It's, it's, bear with me. We have an animal because we have a season. Our season yes. is six months long, and we have sort of a mascot animal. Animal we have stories about. So we have the first thing we do after you know a bunch of BS and what have you. We talk about an animal, and that animal is the meerkat. So we have a meerkat story for you today, and it will be the meerkat for the next five months. So very exciting. Secondly, we have a word, or in this case, two words that make a phrase. All right. And then we have two takes. This is John's take and my take on a topic of some sort, Mm, current or major. Last but not least, we have two, uh, count them two, groaners. Mm, These are what? Good jokes? ones. They're dad jokes, bad jokes, weak, just mm. enough to make you groan. That's what, that's what the important thing is. That is the indicator of a successful groaner. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's that's, wow. that's my introduction. Hey, yeah. hey l- listen, yeah. you got anything on, uh, particularly from the belt up? Uh, you wearing a T-shirt today? I am wearing a T-shirt today. And uh, it's warm enough I don't have to wear, you know, like a shirt over the T-shirt. And I'm wearing the Technicolor, you call it. Ooh, it's our second. The tec- yeah. The Technicolor fist bump shirt. Yeah, it's really good looking shirt. Ooh, that's a good yeah. shirt. I think it is too. I almost wore uh, our sponsor's t shirt today, but I figure I'll wear that next week. And I, I've worn it recently, so I'm going to lay wow. off of that one. Yeah. Yeah. How about well, you? I got the I Am Not a Pet Big Cat Rescue gray t shirt with the line on it. The tiger on it, excuse me. And uh, and I kind of did that because we don't do uh, follow-ups, but it gives me an opportunity to mention that uh, President Biden finally uh, signed that Big Cat Act bill. Oh, he, he did? He said that during the show. Yeah, he did it a couple of days before Christmas. So we, oh, pro- I, was pro- I probably was celebrating too much, and I just didn't hear it or remember mm. it. Uh, yeah, that's probably what happened. I should have been, you know, probably being more moderate with my with my intake. With adult beverages, beverages, yes, adult beverages, yeah. 
I like adult beverages. That's good. Yeah. Good designation. Okay, okay, dude. Yeah. So, so hey, we have a sponsor. We have a sponsor. We do we? have a sponsor. Our sponsor is the um, Animal Legal Defense Defense Act, and this is a, a non-for-profit organization. Their mission is to protect the lives and advance the interest of animals through the legal system. They can do this through make, by filing high-impact lawsuits. They can provide free legal assistance and training to prosecutors. They support tough animal protection legislation. And they do so many things that I like to point out a specific thing that they're doing that I think is really cool. They have a lot of what they call collaborations with other organizations. Oh. They work with one university with respect to the, the premier law animal university, the one that practices, that teaches it. It's called Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. And they work with them to make sure that they are up to speed in terms of their curriculum as it relates to common, you know, enhancing it in general and also making sure that it's been brought up to date with the latest and greatest as it relates to legislation and uh, law, you know, cases that have taken place. So that mm. is it. And the other thing is that they've got, which is oh so important, they've got swag. They've oh, got well, some peas. Oh, give, oh, give, oh. give us a stuff on that. Oh, oh, man, they got swag. I've got one of those shirts, as I just alluded mm. to earlier. Yeah, and I really like that shirt, and I've got lots of compliments on it. Well, by lots of compliments, the only person who sees me, my wife, really likes it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still a shut-in, just still immunocompromised, yeah. but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So anyways, okay. yeah, I got I, – I, plus, we've got, we got notes – and we got links in the show notes, so you can either number one go to their site just to see what the hell's going on. Number two, uh, make a donation. Number three, buy a T-shirt or some other swag. And they have their only swag really is T-shirts, and they have good T-shirts. They go to the same T-shirt printer that we go to, John. Right, Bonfire. And, and Bonfire, and we have actually our own Meerkat T-shirts, and all proceeds from our sales. Go to the Animal Legal Defense Fund. So there's an interesting, and I have to tell you, I don't want to brag too much on these. It's a little immodest because I, I, I did the, the design work, a lot of the design work, not all of it. And, and we have some pretty cool meerkat t-shirts. We've even got one where John and I are part of a litter of meerkats. <laughs> that's, that's Shawcross. Tom Shawcross really liked that one. <laughs> you like that one all? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. You know what? Speaking of meerkats, that's actually our animal, and we have always we have a story. We do have a story, and I'll tell you. Last week we did the meerkats one hundred and one. Mm. Uh, well, week and before actually. Week before actually. Thank you for yeah. clarifying that. And so, what we're going to do is kind of expound upon a detail with respect to that. And that is, you know, we we always look and see. Well, what's the state status with respect to being endangered? These animals have. And so we're going to do a little discussion on exactly are they endangered, and even if they are not, uh, what really are some of the, the challenges that they might have in, uh, right now and as we take a look at the future. So I'm okay. going to start off by saying, you know, me being the number guy, how many of them are out there? In the, in the, I think although it's hard to estimate, estimate how many there are, it appears there are about a half a million, and it's been a pretty stable population. We know they're located in the, in the South Africa in the arid climes of that uh, of that continent, and uh, and and that's kind of what's going on. And uh, so maybe you could talk a little bit about 
some of the things yeah. that really got going for them. What what makes it possible for them to be in that category called least concern? I am concerned about Meerkats. I don't care what they say. Now, I am too, and I don't <laughs> care what they say either because they're so darn cute. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here here's the deal with Meerkats is that you're right. Uh, all wild animals, particularly ones that are very active, are difficult to count. And especially, yeah. you know, ones that are underground part of the time. So they really have no clue. But I like that estimation. And I can't say whether it sounds right or not. But uh, these guys, they really do a lot of good. Uh, they keep a lot of pests under control that would be a threat to, uh, you know, vegetation because they eat a lot of right. insects. Uh, they eat some vegetation, but not a whole lot. Uh, they're they're very interesting animals. Uh, they're very very intelligent, so uh, they do a good job of staying away from predators. And they have a um, they have a sentry or a sentinel on duty at all times whenever they're foraging, whenever they're out of the burrow and they're really scavenging for food and what have you. Someone is always on high ground or even in a tree watching for raptors and other animals, hyenas and things like that that might eat them. And uh, yeah, they're very good at it. They have their own language and they understand each other. It's pretty cool. I'm very impressed by these guys. So they do a good job of taking care of themselves. Uh, That's it. Also, and they work they, they work well together too. They do, they, they do. And they, they do this thing called mobbing. I don't know if you're familiar with that, John. Are you familiar, no. you're familiar with the mob? Yeah, they uh, meerkat, meerkat mob can form if there's a terrestrial predator that they feel they can overcome with numbers, like a cobra, for instance. Uh, yeah, and they have a certain amount of immunity to poisons, especially scorpions, because they eat a lot of scorpions. So that's that's their deal. Now, I'm going to bring something up, John, and I hate to say this because we're part of the problem in this case. Okay. All right. Well, there's a certain number of of if they get too close to a human habitat, they will be exterminated because they ca- they have a tendency to carry rabies. Okay, but they Ooh. are smart animals and they don't get that close to human habitat. They're smart. They live. I wish I was where no smart. one wants to live. Yeah, me too. They live where no one wants to live. So <laughs> that's, that's their upside. They have one huge threat that has never been in print before, and this is a breaking story for the brochure. Breaking you ready? news. Break- okay, I'm ready. Their biggest threat is YouTube. Really? They have so many YouTube videos oh. of meerkats that are so stinking cute. Yeah, that we talked about that. Yeah. So cute that it encourages people to try to get them as pets. Once they are pets, their lifespan is in peril because they do not like being captive and they do not like being the only meerkat around. So if they don't have meerkat buddies, they make you into a meerkat, which is not always mm. good for you. Ooh, okay. meerkat. Yeah. Is there a meerkat, meerkat costume out there for me? Ooh. <laughs> mm, yeah, hey, no I, comment. I, hey, let, Your yo, status you is a furry. It, Your yeah. status as a furry is still in question, so tread carefully. So I will only say, uh, from the, they really get off to a good start from the get-go. They have Their litters are relatively, they're like four to maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In addition to the fact that they're protecting those little critters by keeping them underground for a while. So they don't really lose a lot at the beginning. Uh, Like some, you know, some uh, 
animals yep. they they have tendency not to get that many uh, produced. But this one that's right. not the problem. I don't for meerkats. I, I, that's my no. gut feel. Like they're so thing. intelligent they figure that out. They even have secret burrows for their for the litters. Yes. They dig their own secret burrow. Someone keeps watching. You know, it's really really quite a system they have. But anyway, we won't get. We could talk for another hour about meerkats, but I'm going to lay off. I'm ready oh, for the yeah. word, John. If you hey, want. listen, our word, our words, vacuum evaporation. It's going to be important. Very important. Takes as a tease. Very important. Um, and so, what the definition in that's vacuum evaporation is the process of causing the pressure in a liquid-filled container to be reduced below the vapor pressure of the liquid. So. By reducing that, you're able to, uh, for example, boil something that uh, an, a uh, some chemical that's within a you know a liquid that you've got at a much mm-hmm. lower temperature, which can kind of make it easier to separate it that from yep. other other components. Yep. So my uh, example I ran into when we were doing our research for our two takes is. The retention of flavors in non-alcoholic craft beers is due to the innovations in vacuum evaporation. So they're able yes. to take and remove alcohol from it and by, by evaporating getting, it, right? by evaporating at a much lower temperature, which means other things that might be part of that process of being evaporated are not. What's our topic? Our big topic. Our two well, topics. our topic is uh, dry January, and that this is January. So oh, yeah. I think at this point, you know, and also the other part of the topic is that what goes along with it is the fact that one of the ways that you can, you know, address if you want to be part of a dry January is to drink what's called non-alcohol beers, of which I do believe we just might have a couple here that we, we do. Perhaps perhaps we should partake of these beverages okay. while we're doing the two takes. Are you ready? Hold on. Ready? I am. Oh, wait, okay, first of all, do I tap it? Do it, Tell me what to do. Do you uh, tap okay. these? The first thing is make sure you have a fingernail that's that's long enough I do. that you can get under the tap. Okay, pop it. Okay, hold on. Okay. Did it. Good. Oh, nice. So and far, so good. To do, what you need to do is just tilt the glass ever so slightly and then pour it down very gently, looking to make sure that the, the, the foam or the head of the beverage it's not getting okay. too, too big. You don't have to pour half a glass. Just pour about half yeah. a glass. Then what you can do is you can uh, see how it smells because of the effervescence of the of the carbonation. Hold on. Hold on. Is that time, strong? Dude. Okay, I got half a glass. Okay. Now, what you need oh, to do wow. is after it smells you fruity. smells fruity. Yeah, yeah. You you get you get you get an idea of the. That's like a preview. Then take okay. a light sip. Okay. Oh man, it's actually Boy, terrible. A strong huh? taste. That has a it strong is. taste. That's like grapefruit. Right. That's it. It's it's got a fruit essence to it because that uh, this is a hazy IPA you're drinking. It is and hazy. I can't usually see through has it. has a citric. It's a citric hops is in it, and mm. uh, it's pretty good. Well, so it, it, it smells like grapefruit and it tastes like grapefruit. Yeah. So hey. Look. Wow. I was not so, expecting uh, that, John. Right. So how do we run into this? Well, of course, the month helps being in January. But in addition to that, we ran I ran into an article by one of my favorite columnists in the Chicago Sun-Times by the name of Neil Steinberg. Neil wrote an article called Dry January, Not Beerless January. And he went out to a a microbrewery, a craft brewer 
who makes strictly non-alcohol. So that kind of got us started on the on the thing. We thought, well, you know, what did this all start? What's it all about? And if we're going to actually drink non-alcohol, let's learn a little bit about the industry and and et cetera. And then also talk a little bit about how people approach dry January and are there really, you know, what's good, what's bad about it, et cetera. So let's start with the history of dry January. This, if we go to the Wayback Machine, we find out that dry January has its roots back to World War II when the Finnish government, actually, when they were going up against the Soviet Union, uh, and a lot of countries did this, say, hey, look, we got to really do something to limit the use of our natural resources. And they locked into sugar. And one of the things they said was they encouraged people to stop drinking alcohol entirely for at least the month of January to save some of our natural resources. So wow. it kind of held that started there, but it really didn't get off to a good start. And what took all the way to the 2000s before we had what's called the dry uh, January challenge. And during this time, uh, there was uh, through blogs and newspaper articles, the there there was a, a modest effort to, to, to stay dry in January. And actually, January kind of fits with respect to the calendar, because we're very festive for the holidays of Christmas. And quite often people said, man, I got to rest after uh, having this rather hectic uh, festive month. And so that's where it starts. But it wasn't until 2013 it really became official when a U.K. organization by the name of Alcohol Change decided to to sponsor a host, a official dry January. And they sent out um, and they had a massive response to it. Thousands participated. Before you know it, it kicks off a, a movement there that moves back on into uh, the United States and Canada throughout the years thereafter. And by uh, and it moved very well. And probably it got all, it got a little hiccup, though, for COVID, because what we find in during the COVID, particularly in the months of the late months of, of 2020 and the early of 2021, that people were obviously staying home and we found that uh, that beer sales, alcoholic beverages in general were going. This was a thriving market for them. People couldn't go out in order to kind of to keep the, you know, the natives got uh, restless. So what they did is they popped a few beverages. And before you know it, they had, they had a bottle as their nearest buddy. Uh, and so mm. that that that's not good. But not good. Not good. But what's what really happened out of it all was people realized, you know what, we've, uh, we, we, it's not any fun to do this and that. And maybe we are relying too much on it. So the movement for Dry January actually took a, a, a surge uh, in 2022 when people were able to get out a little bit more. And so here we are, 2023, and they're, they're, it's, it's, everybody practically knows what we mean when we say Dry January. And so there are, uh, you know, there are some challenges to it. And what are you trying to accomplish? Everybody who gets involved in this process might be thinking about it in, in, a, in a variety of ways. And a lot of it leads us to one of the ways we can address it is we can uh, we can drink what's called non-alcohol products. And we're going to talk a little bit about the beer. What, are, yeah, one what, of the are, things, what are those? Well, yeah, the thing is non-alcohol is not really non-alcohol. Oh. Because the law, by law, non-alcohol is having a beverage that is 0.5% or less. Wait so, a minute, you had me drink alcohol? Yeah, I think I kind of slipped that in there, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, you did. Okay, all right. Well, you owe me one. The next time we get together, we're going to have to microdose with some LSD. 
Okay. <laughs> or psilocybin. Uh, I'm, flexible. I'm flexible. Okay, you're a flexible dude. Yeah, or MDMA, one of those. Okay. So here's the thing: is is non-alcohol beer, and they, and it, actually, so you're saying, well, well, what if beer doesn't have any alcohol at all? What do we call that? That's called alcohol-free beer. So that's the, the yeah, the bad description. beer. Bad beer. <laughs> it is bad. Well, it's where actually, taste goes to die. I read the articles. Yeah, bad. that's it. I mean, even non-alcohol beer has had a bad connotation when it first started. Yeah. And I was talking to you a little bit about the fact we could, you know, near beer back in the Prohibition era was 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 non-alcohol yeah. beer. And that's where actually the 0.5% comes. There's where the law really hit the books. And well, we, yeah, uh, here's the we thing. That. Here's the thing. Now we get back to our word. The reason it tastes good now is because they applied science. Science is good. Science are, allowed us right. to use vacuum. Vacuum. You, if you want to evaporate the alcohol out of a beer, here's what you do. You use the same process making it. So this wonderful little IPA here we're drinking, this was made through its normal process. Then at the very end, when it was done and it was perfect, they applied a vacuum to it and heated it slightly. Now, how much heat, Jerry? Here's how much heat. Usually, alcohol evaporates at 173 degrees. Mm. You know, that's if it's in a container and there's a lot of it. I like that number. 173. All right. Now, under vacuum, it only takes 68 degrees Fahrenheit to make it evaporate. Yeah. Wow. So, at 68 degrees, none of the good stuff gets destroyed. The hops and Mm. all the flavors. And there's esters in beer. Esters are chemical compounds that are made usually from an acid of some sort that simulate a flavor butyric mm. acid when made into an ester becomes butter flavored that's what's in the fake popcorn we eat in the, in the, in the theaters Ooh. so you do not destroy esters at 68 degrees fahrenheit so the flavors remain and that's important if it were up near 173 degrees it would destroy the taste that's why it tastes good very good. That's Here's very good, good explanation. I would also mm. like to point out there's two different. You've described one of two methods by which you can make non-alcohol beer. Your your approach is make it like you normally do or close to it, and then filter or use the evaporation process. Correct. Filter. But there's also what you can do. And I don't think I put this in the notes. Is that you can you can actually make it and and reduce the amount of the the fructose or the sugars that make sure the yeast. That's it. That, that yeah. will then create a beer that then you, through trial and error, you realize you get it to the point of the a 0.5%, and that's another way of approaching it. But yeah, yeah. it is. So, uh, but you know, what we've got, what's happened is craft beers have got more flavor to start out with. So they were, it was a natural for them to look into it. So about, oh, I would say maybe five years ago, they started uh, doing this, and of course we have the increase in this in the in the movement. So if you go to a, a liquor store, even a grocery store, you will find a large section of that of the store uh, devoted to this. And I would say that uh, what, what you need to do is to, uh, as you take a look at it is is think about uh, what you like in the way of taste. You can go all the way from the fruit beers, the mangoes, the grapefruits, to the IPAs, and points beyond where there could be. You know, like just regular beers, pilsners, etc. But we well, this does not. This does not taste like beer. This ale does not taste like a beer. Or I've never had ale, so I don't know. But it does not. It tastes like grapefruit. Yeah, and that's. I think there is a a large 
section or large type of, of, of these IPAs and, and that there's a grapefruit sculpin beer it's called it, that's a that's an alcohol beer and okay. I like I like beers that have a citra taste to it that's where I that's okay. kind of where I hang but hey dude we're you know time we're at 26 oh, minutes okay so. sorry about oh oh I'm sorry that's about okay. that Mr. Producer I got I got two points I wanted to bring up real quick and then uh, anything yeah, else go you ahead. got you can do yeah all right yeah, uh, alcohol quick. and pregnancy this is this is something that comes up. Is this a good thing for ladies who are, are with child? And you know what? They did a lot of look into it. There's there's no agreement on this. Some people say, hey, no big problem. Other people say, hey, you don't know how sensitive the fetus is to alcohol. And you want to avoid alcohol fetal syndrome spectrum disorders. Right. So that's important. And yes, it is 0.5% alcohol. But sometimes it's as much as one and a half because right. this is not something that, you know, people are monitoring carefully. So if you want to be safe, don't drink the 0.5 percent, drink the no percent or don't drink it right. at all. That's safety right. first. Secondly, good. You know, does beer really taste good, John? That's well, the question. I, I guess it could be acquired taste, perhaps. Uh, I think it's an acquired taste. Right. I think it is. Um, and, and for that matter, grapefruit's an acquired taste. The first time yeah. I taste grapefruit when I'm eating it, I, I go, oh, man, this tastes like a skunk. It's true. Yep. I do. But then after a bite or two, I love it. I can't get enough. Yep. Good. So well, I, I, think, guess, well, I think beer's yeah. that way. I think beer's I'd that way. I'd just like to make one comment is that we take a look at dry uh, overall the conclusion. I think we can derive yeah. from this that dry January is a good it's a good thing to do. And many people do it for a variety of reasons. I think one yep. caution, another cautionary tale is probably if you are a, a, a problem or a, a severe problem drinker, you probably should not try this and say, well, I'm going to go cold turkey in dry January. You probably ought to think about exactly how that's addressed with the help of, uh, of the medical profession. The other thing is that some people look at it as a means by which to maybe kind of clear their systems, clear their yep. heads, et cetera, for a month. But there's no uh, there are other people that say, well, this will be the start. And maybe what I want to do is just change the method I drink. Maybe I'll drink one beer that's alcohol and then finish up the rest of the evening drinking, the, you know, the other the other beer. So yeah, it, less it, social pressure that way. Right. Exactly. And I feel it's becoming much more acceptable, which is very oh, good. So cool, that's that's cool. my uh, my read on it. So All I think right. we need to. Very go good, John. We need to. Here's the first one. Why? Did the mushroom, the pair, the two mushroom, feel they deserve to be invited to the party? Again. Why did Do it the again. two mushrooms feel they deserve to be invited to the party? I don't know. They're fungi. Oh, fungi. you, 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 <laughs> sneaky guy, you sneaky guy. Yeah, You're asking I, me I, how I to pronounce those. Yeah, okay. okay. Now I understand Here's something another. that happened before the show. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sneaky. What, this is a beer, uh, a beer groaner. What popular beer do vampires drink? What popular beer do vampires drink? Oh, I don't know, John. Think about Bloodweiser. Oh. <laughs> 